So thank you again, Samira, um, for your amazing khutbah, mashallah. Um, and thank you for bringing the snow because... Oh, I brought DC weather. <laughs> she actually, when she had written her khutbah, there was a little bit of snow. And then today there was like, I've never seen it that, that crazy before. So I think she did. Um, but is there anyone who would like to go first? So I just would say thank you so much for the khutbah. It really touched me. Um, and I was just completely moved and making yourself so vulnerable. So just want to say thank you so much. And it was so meaningful also, it was combining your personal experiences with the winter um, and spirituality. And then all of us, when we have those doubts and to bring those out, um, it was really beautiful. So just want to say thank you. Thank you. Uh, as I was telling Hasna before, I actually I didn't want to do this topic. I was trying to do other topics, but I kept gravitating towards this. And it wasn't just talking about infertility. It was just around me, a lot of people are going through various different winters of their own. Um, and I felt like I had to try to speak to a topic that's often squishy. Like, mm -hmm. it's not, there's no, you know, a right answer that you can give someone. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times, especially like in khutbah, like we... Khadibs tend to shy away from that stuff because you can't, how do you package it up in like, what, 30, 30 minutes? Mm -hmm. So I try to do my best, inshallah, it's helpful to other people, but just trying to open up more space to talk about these squishy subjects, um, I think it would help all of us immensely. And what's so phenomenal, I was telling Sidmira beforehand, is that like, um, this topic of how to navigate through a time when your prayers are unanswered, I don't think there's any more uh, embodiment of that struggle than a mom wanting to have a child, right? And not being able to. Um, I think the metaphor that you used um, was amazing. The fact that, you know, even in winter, life still goes on. Uh, maybe not at the same speed or at the same lushness, but life still goes on and you still have to um, do your best um, to, to forbear those times. So I thought it was an excellent metaphor. Yeah. So the, the idea of a spiritual winter, it's, it's a concept, I'm sure you guys have heard the heard of this before, that there's another analogy they make to winter. It's like there's, winter's a time, um, so like in the natural world when you have winter, my grandfather had a farm, so I know a lot about oh. this. Um, winter, it kills pathogens, right? Mm -hmm. It's a time of deep cold that no other t season can do. And you think about that in yourself too, like maybe there's something inside of you that needs to be killed, and like Allah is basically doing that for you. Um, and without that happening, sorry, without that happening, spring can't come, right? The harvest won't be as good unless that deep freeze takes hold and kills those pathogens within. Um, so trying to maintain that hope and that perspective when you go through this, that it is for a purpose, um, and Allah doesn't put us through anything without a purpose. I have a question just because um, you do have a, a child now, alhamdulillah. Um, and how, um, like looking back now, how do you think that time dealing with the struggle has shaped you as a mother versus how you would have been before? Yeah, I, um, so in another draft, I don't know if you saw that draft, I talked about mm -hmm. that, how I think having to go through this for many years before I was able to have a child through IVF, um, it prepared me for child, for being a, you know, for being a parent. Um, as I mentioned before, I was very naive going into it. Like, I, you know, there are certain things, especially like in popular culture, you think that are important being a parent, and they actually have no meaning whatsoever when you're a child, when you have a child. Like what? Give us some examples. Like, um, you sort of, you can be fixated um, on things about being pregnant and things that you worry about. Like, it's 
you know, dec decorating the room and making sure that this is perfect when the child comes and you have this car seat and you have, you do all these things that yes, they're important and you invest so much time in them, but you forget that a child is a trust mm. and what they need from you cannot be, it's not on a baby's register. What they need from you is they need you to show up. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it was, what I learned is that I had to do a lot of self-work, mm. right? Like being a parent, the, the toughest thing about being a parent is it's not the child, the child's gonna be fine. It's you as a parent and how much you project onto that child of the issues that you've never dealt with. And I think going through IVF, like IVF and all the different fertility, it was so intense and it was so invasive and it was so rigorous and a lot of it was self-work. Like I had to get my cortisol levels down. I had to manage my stress. I, you have to work at that. That stuff doesn't happen easily. And it just, for me, it, I felt like it prepared me for being a parent um, that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And that was just my experience. Thank you so much. Um, I've experienced being around other women who've had this issue with infertility. What would you suggest? How can we be supportive of women in that situation? What should we say and what should we not say? For me, the biggest thing was just having someone to hold space. Like if I talked about the subject, just listening and not trying to change the subject and not trying to like, you know, shoo them away or not immediately jumping to the moral lesson, right? Like you, the person dealing with it has to go through that, right? It's, it's a lot of work, and you don't want to shortchange that process the person has to go through, but holding space for them, just letting them hear them out and letting them talk about it, and like being a, sh uh, a shoulder to cry on. It's very basic like human connection that I think we just lose, and we get afraid. Like we don't know what to say. Like when someone dies, like oh my God, like what do I say? And it's the same thing with infertility. In a lot of ways, women are mourning, right? Like you envision having a child, and you're mourning that loss. Assalamu alaikum. And I too would like to thank you for your khutbah. It spoke to an issue in my life in which I did all the right things, prepared myself, but things did not turn out that well. I am still struggling with that issue, but as I began to suffer, all of the stress, I turned, I'm reading the Quran more. I am reading more Hadith. The issue has not yet been solved. Perhaps it will be solved in the hereafter, but I have gained a strength. And uh, I think that was my lesson that was my test. Mm -hmm. And before you finish, I hope you will repeat your quote about the gift and becoming. And again, thank you. No, thank you for sharing. I want to respond to that. I just, that was beautiful. Um, oh, you want me to repeat the quote? Uh, why am I blinking on the quote? Um, I, I think it was basically what I was saying is that like, you know, we imagine we want certain things in life, right? Um, whether it be a spouse, whether it be a child, we want those things. And, oh, let me get to it, sorry. I don't wanna miss. It's amazing how you write things and you forget. So what I said, it was remember that the thing that you may desire is not the gift you need, but what the trial makes you become. What the trial makes you become. 
beautiful. What's your name? Assalamu alaikum. What's your name? Ah. Najma, nice to meet you. Um, what you just said, and thank you for the topic and the beautiful um, things you, you said, and I think it was really important that you address this topic um, because it is kind of a taboo to talk about, and, um, but I really related to what Najma said um, because I too am struggling and I'm past the age of realistically <laughs> having a child. Um, of my own, but, um, and you know, I think that you're never going to get over the fact that you don't have a child, but I think that the blessing is, is that aching just brings us closer to God, you know, that he will always, you know, some people go through life in the day-to-day -day and you kind of forget day-to-day, -day. not that you're not a good um, person that loves God, but it's just life happens and you get busy. But I think, you know, there's certain struggles that people go through and they're really difficult. But it's always going to be such a part of you, day-to-day -day life. And it reminds you just to always have that relationship with God. He's the only, the only way we can get through it. And that's, that in itself is a real blessing, you know, it, because it is hard for people to keep him, you know, on your mind all the time. But, you know, when people have their struggles, whatever they may be, um, there's a blessing in that, and uh, that's how I choose to look at it, and that's what our, our books, I'm a Christian, my book says it, your book says the same, and that's what I really noticed a lot. I'm married to a Muslim, but um, our similarities are just so great, and uh, it's beautiful when you can have something like this that you welcome everybody into, um, that we can realize that, and that's what we focus on. That's the important, that's what glorifies God. You know, and uh, but again, thank you for the for the um, subject and for being so open and being so brave to talk about it because it's not easy. So thank you. If you don't mind, I would love to learn from like to ask, what was that transformation like for you to get to the point where you see it as, as a blessing? Like, um, yeah, it's it took me many, many, many years. I was in a deep depression for, and this is my friend Sana who invited me. Uh, here, and I know she probably won't mind, but she, she also struggles. Um, but she, uh, or but for me, it was just um, really bad depression. And I've always been close to God. That was never an issue of my belief, uh, but I forgot about Him on a day-to-day -day basis, hour-to-hour -hour basis. And so I just got deeper, deeper into depression. Um, and this last year, God just decided, okay, this is your season. This is your season to awaken and to reconnect with me. And it's been one blessing after another blessing after another blessing of just uh, people. I've, you know, gone back to my um, church uh, and the fellowship there has helped me greatly. And, um, you know, I'm back to reading my scripture. I'm back to he's part of my life, not just, you know, um, when it's when I need something from him. And um, the messages that I've received over this last year have just been, you know, it tells, you know, my Bible says you need to rejoice in the pain. You know, we are, you know, for us, we came here and God said, 
you're going to be persecuted, you're going to have, it's not, you know, he didn't guarantee us a life of wonderful, you know, luxury and happiness. He said, no, Mm -mm. no, exactly. And so, you know, the message is, is you are to find joy in your suffering. And that just kind of really hit me. And it was just like, you know, I've, I've suffered for so many years. And my problem was, is I didn't try to find joy in that, you know, and try to like re program my my way of thinking and um, and and the thing that you brought up about gratefulness it's so it's not funny it's God but that is exactly the message a couple weeks ago that my um, my pastor preached on and exactly the the science behind it and, and it's so true it's just you have to you you it's a choice you make every day when you get up you know you can either be in the pain and you can concentrate on the negatives and what you don't have um, and, or you can choose to say, wow, you know, look at it differently. God, you know, everything that you struggle through, God is with you. He's, he hasn't abandoned you. He's, he's suffering with you. You know, th this is painful for him, but he's doing that to bless you. Like you said, I mean, it was so beautiful. What you said is he made you stronger, you know, and that's the blessing. And, um, I think that, you know, you can kind of look at it like the things that you struggle against, God chose you to struggle against that. And that is, you know, he's raising you up to glorify him, and you need to be that servant to, wit to be witness to people, to tell them that, you know. Yeah. No, no, it just, um, it brings up, I think it's, I don't know if it's the Quran or the Hadith, like, that when you're tested, it's like God loves you. Um, and it's hard, because you're like, I'm going through this hardship, but it's like, in that hardship, you get even more blessings, right? Um, and I think sometimes we're afraid um, oh, I'm going to be tested more, but in that is the blessing that you talked about so beautifully. Yeah, I once heard um, an imam say that uh, God has actually chosen the tests that you are most likely to pass. So for some of us, maybe going through a struggle and being patient through that would be easier for us than being given uh, a perfect life where we're tested with how how um, generous are we going to be? And maybe we wouldn't be generous. Maybe we would forget God um, and vice versa, right? There are some people who maybe um, when they're given so-called blessings, which are also a test, um, that might be easier for them to pass. But if they're given hardship, that's when they, they wouldn't pass. So God is all merciful and we never know, you know, what is a, um, I mean, everything is a test, um, but you can't look at something good and say that that's necessarily um, something that's good for you because what really matters is what's going on inside your heart. Thank you so much. It's really beautiful how you put everything together. Um, in my family, my one of my uncle and one of my cousin, um, both of them never have children, so we know how it felt. We are six sisters, and you know, I'm from Bangladesh, and you know, nobody like to have six girls, right? And so we we so it started from the when my third, third sister born, like before me, my uncle always come and convinced my mother. And then when my sister born, he came and he wanted to take the baby. And it happened until my last sister. Like they always came and want to get, get us because they think like they don't want the girl, so let get, have it. But that's one thing. But then I have...
four children. And when I came here, I with two boys, and then I have to study to get my medical license. And it was tough, tough, right? But then I have, uh, I always want to have a girl, so I have two girls after when I came here. So uh, in between, I have a, uh, my in-law cousin, like my husband cousin. She live in um, uh, New Jersey, and they never have kids. And they're older, they're like, they're older, like 40s up when I came here. And, uh, but we became so good friends, like she always called me in the middle of the night, like crying, and she went through depression, like years after years. And because she always wanted to have a baby, but we all tell her like, okay, since things not working out, then adopt, right? No, I want to be pregnant. Okay, then when my first daughter born, she went through menopause, and she was totally depressed. She, I think, also hospitalized because of all these things. She was a computer engineer, so she quit the job. She's totally like not doing well. And then after five years, no, almost four years, I have my other daughter. And she was just, I don't know, like when she heard it, like when I was pregnant, since then, she was, she was really angry. Like, how come she, she's going through a struggle raising her kids and studying and doing all this? And I want it, and I'm not having it. So we, we are good friends. Like, she always, like, she trusts me, I trust her. We talk. She called me to be comfort. Like, but at the same time, she said, how come God giving you and not me? It, like we are having this kind of like relationship, like we have a loving relationship, but also like why she's giving you again and not me. And then I was like, just keep praying. And she's not a, she's not a practicing Muslim, right? So she said, no, who cares? He's not giving me, why I have to pray to him? But then um, they decided, oh, so she went through menopause, so there is no way, right? But then she went through this um, different fertility clinic and stuff. She went so many places before, but now she's menopause, right? So nobody like want to do anything much. But then she actually um, got the hormone therapy for I think two years or something. She got a donor egg and she get pregnant. And she have a triplet. And I was like, oh my, like, and then uh, that was another thing, like, uh, the donor is not Muslim, and she don't care. She's like, I don't care. I don't, I'm not a practicing Muslim, so I don't care. I just want an egg. I found it. So uh, uh, anyway, so then, then the three of them, one of them not doing well, so they said we have to remove one. Uh, so she was crying again, like, for a few weeks, and then finally they have to. So then she have two, two daughters now. Yeah, they're in high school now. So she was 55 years old and menopause for four years. Miracle, right? I, and she's short. She's like here, like I am short, right? Even my patient always say, oh, doctor, you are really short. 
you know, like all this little thing up there, I, I always have to bring the tool and I ask people to help me. But she's like here and she's pregnant with like two, like a twin and like uh, amazing, amazing. God can do anything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I just said, uh, God is all powerful. All right, if we don't have any more questions, we'll close it up here. Uh, oh, you have one? Uh, what will be, we be doing special in our mosque community for our five-year anniversary? I am so proud of our wonderful halakas. <laughs> Yes, inshallah. We'll, we'll still continue with our rose ceremony. So um, for those who haven't been there, um, we'll bring roses and we'll award them to anyone who has given a khutbah or um, called the adhan or taken on a special um, role. Um, and then we'll have just a celebration. Our, um, usually we'll have cake and things like that. I think we might actually also go to lunch afterwards um, just to continue the, the conversations and festivities for the day. Um, but yeah, it'll be a fun day, inshallah, and I hope you all can make it January 31st. Um, so thank you again, Samira. Amazing topic and thank amazing you. way of addressing it. So thank you for this contribution. And um, inshallah, it'll, it's already online on our Facebook uh, page. The video's up, so you guys can share it um, with anyone you know who needs to hear this message, inshallah. All right, thank you guys. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.